This is Rugger Matrix America. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com, joined, as always, by Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean. And we're going to be talking this time around about, and I'm sure you're hoping that we were talking about this, about the club restructure. USA Rugby came out with a whole new way to structure club competition, um, breaking out the, the country. I mean, I, I think, I think the, the main thing that they did was they broke out the country into a, a variety of different competitive regions and then the nation into an, a national league and an American league uh, divided basically along you know, East versus West. I don't even know if national is East and American is West or the other way around, but that's how it's divided. It basically regionalizes all playoffs. Uh, we're going to concentrate uh, quite a bit on the Division One and Super League because that's kind of the most momentous thing when you talk about the higher level. Um, me personally, having played Division Three rugby, I didn't play anything higher than that. Um, you know, can tell you that for for the most part, Division Three rugby is about playing rugby and enjoying yourself every weekend. Um, I was never concerned about uh, what the national championship structure was. So um, I, I, I don't think that that's really a big part of it. Division two, maybe, but we're going to talk about division one and super league. The other side of this, uh, just to explain it to you is that the super league has been disbanded. All the super league teams are back in division one uh, with uh, a couple, you know, one notable exception, but they should be back in Division One. And then a new competition has been brought up for the spring, which is called the Elite Cup, which will be two team, two pools of four teams. They play a round robin, so that's three games each, and then they go uh, into a playoff. So the top teams will play a semifinal final. So you might be able to get five games out of it. You might just get three. Uh, but that would be a, a competition that over the course of the years will be using the teams that finished the highest in Division One the previous year. Right now we're using the Super League teams plus Glendale to populate that. So, uh, Pat Clifton, this is a competition, this Division One competition divides the all Division One rugby into eight conferences with the expectation that each conference has at least eight teams spread around the country. Um, some of those areas have eight teams. Some don't. Um, you out in Kansas City, where the Kansas City Blues have felt isolated for a long time because they don't have – they don't even have the St. Louis they, – they play the St. Louis Bombers, but they don't have them in league anymore because the Bombers moved from the Super League all the way down to D2. Um, what is it like What from your perspective to, to see this plan and see what kind of uh, feedback you're getting from people? Well, I know the, the Blues aren't happy that they have to uh, – they now have a, a trip to Utah on their slate. Um but, you know, it is what it is. I don't know that that's um, the biggest gripe on the planet. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's another competitive game for him. But he, when I look at this structure, the, the two things that jump out to me are the it says they want eight to nine teams in each conference. I, I look at there are four conferences by my count that don't have eight to nine teams or that won't have eight to nine teams. You've got the Northeast, uh, or I'm sorry, New England, yeah, the Northeast with the Empire New England combined has has 15 teams, so that could be a 15 team conference with two divisions. You got a couple with 10 teams, and you got one with nine teams. 
And then you got a couple with seven, one with six, and one with four. The four being the South, and uh, obviously there aren't exactly a whole lot of teams to jump into that league. Now, if you reshuffle and put New Orleans over into the South, they have five, but that's still a far cry from eight or nine. And, and my big question, um, or one of my initial questions is, where are you going to find the other teams? Um, and you could say, well, we need to push up the, the top of Division Two, but just to use in my area as an example, Omaha is, you know, the top of Division Two in this area, so are the St. Louis Bombers. If those guys wanted to be Division One or wanted to take on a Division One travel schedule, which would see them going to Denver a couple of times a year and going to Utah, um, they would have already done it. Um, they would have already moved up because they're competitive-wise, they definitely are there. You know, Omaha has a great um, one-off match against the Blues every year, and it's it's usually pretty darn competitive, if not a, you know, I know the Goats have won that game recently, too. So anyways, that's that's one thing you look at is where are they going to find the teams to get the divisions to fit where they want them to fit? And the other thing is, you know, what 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 problem does this solve? I think the biggest problem it kind of talks about, um, at least from the reasoning I've seen or read or heard, is more games for our top-level teams. Well, I kind of just went through um, Division One, how many games, let's say, you know, if, if a team from SoCal was going to win the national championship this year, they'd be looking at 17 games. From the Midwest, they'd be looking at least 16 games. These are these are qualifying games. These are league games or playoff games that lead to a championship. So, you, you know, Texas would have 15 uh, a team from New England would have at least 13. From the Mid-Atlantic would have at least 14. From the West-North, at least 15. So everybody would have at least 13 games um, if they won the national championship this year, any team in Division One. Now, I'm not counting the Northern California. I'm not exactly sure what their league's going to look like, so I, I didn't even mess with them. But under the new system, assuming that they get the 14 to 16 regular season games and the playoffs play out the way that it looks like they would, you'd be getting 17 to 19 games. So we're sitting here, we're changing it, and we're talking about one of the major reasons we want to make a change is to get more games. When in all actuality, at the end of the season, if you win a national championship in the new system, the most you're going to have is 19. You know, that's only two more games than the, the, a national championship from so or a national champion from SoCal would have this season. So I, I don't know that it actually fixes the problem that it says it does. Okay, so so we we turn around and we look at the problem areas of of Division One rugby, and that is that there are there are one or two places where we've got teams that want to play in division one and want to compete in division one but getting there is very difficult one of them is in the south where we we generally have a league that is three or four teams deep and that's it uh and one of them is in utah where there's usually one sometimes there are two teams that really want to play but there's really only been a league for one season where they had four teams playing and they got through generally the uh utah is just sort of trying to find their way uh utah gets uh into the west and i hope that works but i think it's going to be, still be very difficult the south is still a problem you and uh and this is something i've talked with people about uh this plan and who helped formulate this plan, um, they look at the South and they see a large number of clubs in the South and think, well, oh, we'll be able to build that conference. No, you won't, because they don't want to be in it. The, the teams from Florida just flat don't want to be in it. Every time they go in, they find themselves hurt for numbers. Uh, it, it's not so much the money, although the money doesn't help. It's the time. The time traveling out of there. I realize other clubs travel further, whatever. It doesn't matter because what it what life is like for Florida is 
they have a real tough time getting the time to make those away games into Georgia, into the Carolinas, into Louisiana. So we're going to see the South still have a small number of teams. Um, they'd have to merge with Mid-Atlantic and split out their teams. And even if they did that, they wouldn't have enough. You, you, could, you could get seven each out of that, but no more. So that there's a real struggle to get that, that minimum of eight. And I think to answer your question, which I think is a wonderful question, Pat, what does this solve? If it solves the problem, if it if it if we have problem areas, it doesn't solve those problem areas. Uh, in in my mind, um, you could solve one of those problem areas, Utah, by addressing Utah specifically. Uh, the West has moved along just fine. Um, Northern California has had the same struggles. It's still going to have the same struggles, which is can teams show up? Um, Southern California, uh, since since those teams moved out of the Super League and you had Belmont Shore and on back uh, um, and Santa Monica competing in there, that's been a really nice league and I don't think anybody has any problems with it. Um, and the Midwest is fine, all those things. So, so it is. What is it fixing? Um, I'll answer what I think it's fixing, and and Bruce has got a lot to say about this. Bruce is right in the middle of this, which is why we're not bringing him in right now. He's like a pit bull uh, held in a cage, and we're just going to release the the lock in a minute. But one of one of the things this is supposedly solving is the playoff system, which is inadequate. I think that if uh, I, I, the the biggest complaint I find from a lot of Division One teams is the playoff system, having to play two games in a weekend, and then on that Sunday, finding out you've just made the Final Four, now make your travel plans to go to the Final Four. And right at a time where it's really, really difficult to find uh, even seats on an airplane, let alone seats that don't cost an arm and a leg. The the money and the planning, the last-minute planning, and then the two games in a weekend aspect are very, very difficult in the playoff system. This system addresses that a little bit. And because it addresses a little bit, it may well be a good thing on that level. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to solve everything else, but I am saying that if we can change the Division One and Division Two playoff system so we don't have teams uh, making last-minute cross-country flight plans, and playing two games in a weekend, or two two games in two days, especially, uh, then I would like to see that kind of change happen. Now, Super League teams are brought back in. Super League teams are brought back in because uh, when USA Rugby uh, sanctioned the Super League back in 2000, they did not come up with a coherent policy that um, allowed Super League second teams to play in Division I. Uh, most of the Super League teams that played in Division I uh, worked out some kind of compromise. Uh, Dallas Harlequins in Boston, for example, um, and when there were mid-Atlantic teams in the Super League, like PAC, same thing. They played a league schedule. They just weren't eligible to go any further than that. I think for the most part, they were happy with that. There were other leagues where they didn't like that, and they um, in the Midwest, they had they had a struggle with teams actually, Division One teams fulfilling those fixtures. Why why play a Super League team when it didn't really matter for the league? Uh, some other places like in the Midwest 
and like in uh, in the West, uh, like Denver, they allowed those teams to field a Division One team and go into the into the playoffs. But uh, in in the West, they changed the policy in the middle of the season that forced Denver to pull out. Um, and and certainly, in my experience in reporting on all of this, Division One leagues and local area unions, despite taking the dues from Super League players and Super League teams uh, were very, very reluctant to figure out a way that allowed uh, a, a Super League team's second group to play a competitive D1 season. Uh, but on the other side, some Super League teams didn't help themselves, notably uh, Denver Barbarians and Old Blue. Uh, I remember and I know fielded very well-known, high-profile Super League players in their D1 League games because they had uh, numbers, challenges, whatever the reason was. Um, I think that helped fuel the fire that was underneath the Division One League administrators who thought, well, they're just stacking up their, their for their wins early on. And then what will happen is Barbarians are going to play a couple of their Super League starters in the fall, they're going to win the league, they're going to do do well then, and then they're going to go play Super League, and when they play in the playoffs, they aren't going to do well, and guess who gets uh, a poor seed the next year? The West North. So I think that uh, the Super League does have a little bit of blame to take in the, the bad blood between the D1 competitions and the Super League. Regardless of that, what... They weren't helped. Super League wasn't helped. And because of that, this is what we have now. The Super League is gone simply to allow Super League teams to go back into D1, which a lot of them want to do, to play. And and if anybody's upset about it, you only have yourselves, D1 people, to blame. And the one team that is not really having a welcome map put out for them at all is New York Athletic Club. Which is Bruce McLean's club, and we will get to Bruce right after this. Hey fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. Hey, everybody, don't forget that the largest rugby tournament in the country is coming up sooner than you think, February 7th, 8th, 9th in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Invitational. It's wrapped around, of course, the USA 7's International Tournament, and it has everything you want in a rugby tournament. Thousands of players, over 200 teams, uh, kids, adults, college, elite level, international level. Uh, You've got the CRC qualifier. You've got... uh, Women's, 15s and 7s, it's all everybody would ever want in a rugby tournament. And you get to see the USA 7s. And you get to be in Las Vegas. Go to USA7s.com, check on the LVI link, and see how to pre-register. We're back. And uh, Bruce McLean, you've been coach of the New York Athletic Club. Um, you're right in the middle of this. Um, I don't even know exactly how it works because I've, I've talked to people who say that you wanted to go into the, the Empire Division and you were flat told no. And I've, I've understood that the Empire Division asked you to join and Nyack flat told them no. So before we get into the bigger thing, I want to know what's happening with Nyack. 
Nyack put in a proposal to be going to uh, into the Empire Conference. We didn't even know that there was an Empire Conference until in very late in the summer. Um, so we had no idea that they were busting up the Super League or anything. No, they chose not to tell us. <laughs> so that was kind of nice. But so what happened is Nyack uh, put in to get in, and <clears throat> so we are out. We are the defending national champion four times in eight years is not allowed to play for a championship. The fact of the matter is this is a hollow, shallow championship anyway. It was not particularly well thought out by anyone. Uh, I know I, you know, we were not consulted, nor were any of the Super League teams. Uh, Tim Zern was. Tim Zern is a guy from Puget Sound who was on the committee, supposedly. Um, they stopped emailing him. So, look, I'm not, I'm not going to get in. I'm just going to lay out the facts of, of, the, of the matter. I personally don't even care about not being in it this year. We are, you know, New York Athletic Club is, is, is quite savvy. We'll be playing Ontario, the province. Uh, we'll be playing Cal Berkeley. We'll be playing uh, BYU. I mean, we know how to take care of ourselves and, and create a competitive schedule thing. Now, let's just talk about this. Let's just talk about the way they want to do this. Firstly, uh, teams are required to play seven. So we're going to knock out some weeks during the year. We just want to make sure that the club championship should mean something. It should be able to mean something. So we're going to have to knock out a few dates. Sevens is going to take, take place from the second weekend of June, according to this plan culminating in, in the All-Star 7s in the last weekend of August. So that's that's seven season. And in the 7s National Championship, will be the second weekend of August. They would expect that the culmination of league play begin in uh, September 1st. So, you know, I mean, I know a lot of teams run pretty strong 7s, uh, pretty strong youth programs during the summer, but they're going to have to probably put those on the back burner because they need to, you know, fulfill these sevens requirements. Um, and then you have no preseason leading into the season. So, I mean, that you know, I, I don't know what other teams do. I prefer to have a preseason. I like to build my team. I think that, you know, generating a team and, and, and trying to, to build cohesion and learn about each other and try to play. That <clears throat> seems to me to be an effective way to win. Now, now take that away. You know, I'm not everybody. That's well, the way most, we, that's most teams, most way teams want at least two games. No, well, no, it's not a matter of having two games. It's a matter of having a preseason where you can oh, make yeah. three weeks, three, three weeks of training, something like that. Most teams want well, so I, I prefer six weeks. Yeah, um, yeah. I prefer six and a few games. Uh, we, you know, I, I know that maybe we don't play enough games. Uh, you know, last year, the New York AC played 20-something games. Um, it was like 21 or something, of which we played Old Blue three times. We played Boston three times. We played Life three times. We played Puget Sound once. We played Delaware, Kutztown, and um, and Army. That said, so we're going to go straight from sevens into fifteens with, with with zero preseason. Also, this season, this this year coming up, we're just you know just then we can only take this year and assume they'll be very similar. <clears throat> Excuse me, the ARC tournament 
the Eagles are going to go away from the, from October 5th through October 22nd, and they're going to play three games in that time period. And then they're going to have the fall internationals. We're going to leave on, a, on November 3rd through November 24th, and they're going to play three internationals. And then the, uh, the Eagles are going to have a weekend domestic camp, probably from a Thursday to a Sunday sometime in April. So that's going to knock out a week weekend. And then the uh, USA sevens, I would imagine that probably wouldn't want to have a lot of league games on the day of the USA sevens. It is our premier tournament in, uh, in American rugby. We probably should be supporting it. Then the, they don't want to have an ITTs, which is understandable because if they, they want to do it in February and it's difficult to get practice and preparation in February. So what they're leaning toward doing is getting their top, like the girls did, get their top 100 players or whatever it is and bring them in for a week in February and and possibly have a uh, have something going along that line. So that that's going to knock out another week. And now. In in the Northeast, there's a New England league and there's a Met New York league. So the they they have they have two separate leagues. So then you'd still have to would have to play your league, and then you would have to create a champion out of your league. Of course, there's three Super League teams, and you know Boston Irish had been relatively successful, winning a couple national national championships, and other teams have have been reasonably successful from the from the northeast but under the, that system there's going to be one team is going to come out of it but you know how how are you going to be able to get the like say for instance a team loses players to the ARC or loses players to the fall internationals or, or loses loses players during league games during eagle domestic camps i mean are they and they lose a game because of it is is that okay like is, is it just it. I, I, I understand <laughs> I know I know I know and, and 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 that but but it cheapens the value of of a championship and, and that's fine I mean if that if that's what they if that's what they want that's fine but they're not giving you an opportunity to get those games back in the playoffs meaning all right you lose a game in the regular season because you don't have your guys but you make the playoffs and now say now we're full metal jacket now we'll play and then we'll see what happens chances are the team with the better players will win um so that's kind of the way like if i look at it i say you know between between so really the only time you can play rugby here and have a competitive season is from around st patty's day weekend through memorial day weekend and you got to play your games in a tight, compressed area, which was the Super League. And there wasn't a lot of games because that's what they did. Now, one of the problems with like the Lions and the Griffins and, and other teams in the Super League was that they didn't have anywhere for their second team players and fringe players to go and play. And, 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 and a, lot of these, a lot of these local unions, as you had said in the past, had taken, the, uh, had taken these... Uh, not allowed these players to play. So there was nowhere to play your fringe players or your second team guys. They, they, they wouldn't allow you to play. I mean, I know that in the past, we, everybody had all played each other and nobody was afraid, but 
now now you know an American player who goes to a uh, middle of the road Division One or Division Two school who happens want to play good rugby and gets himself into a Super League 22 and gets eight minutes at the end of the game is now now not allowed to play in Division One and and that's that's kind of silly and and of course this this hasn't dealt with the fact that that you're not required to have second teams in this. You're not required to bring B-sides. So the main problem that caused the teams to leave the Super League anyway is not even being addressed. Um, and the main problem of the fringe players is not being addressed. Now, look, I don't care what USA Rugby's vision is. If USA Rugby's vision is that we don't care and we're just trying to identify players for the Eagles, then they don't understand the motivation of human human beings. And that's fine. I I am fully aware that they don't understand the motivation of human beings. I've, I've seen it over the, cor- the course of a long period of time where uh, things are done bass backwards um, and, and they don't, they don't quite get it. I mean, I, I sat there and listened to people tell me that the NA4 was going to load up Ohio State's football stadium with all seriousness, bringing in pictures and stuff and showing it. And I looked and I'm like, are these people out of there? Actually, I told them, I said, you know, if you have all four of your teams there, about 120 guys, um, and then maybe some of their families will come. And I said, you know, if you're lucky, you'll get 300. And then I remember I told you this the other day, Alex, uh, mm-hmm. I told you this the other day that, <clears throat> you know, yeah, I remember you announcing an NA4 game somewhere out in uh, – in Oregon, Mount Hood Community College, wooden, a wooden bench, yeah, uh, at the, it, in in the stands, and I think that you know you and you know you and a couple ducks were there, and you were able to be clearly heard and <clears throat> in your own personal little announcing, just standing there in the middle of the stands with nobody there. Uh, so it meant nothing. Um, if if they really are serious about high performance in USA Rugby, you know that probably the greatest opportunity that we've had. In in a, in a long time, is the under twenties going into tier one, and then and then knowing that we need it this summer because that's primarily when you can get the most out of these guys is is during the summer. We probably could have invested some money to have these players working together in the summer, and possibly maybe even had a full time coach to uh, to take care of them. But you know that. That didn't happen, so I'm, I'm, while I while I, I wish the 20s the best, and I, and I know that the uh, I know that their staff wanted that to happen, it just didn't. Um, they wanted to bring in somebody, not not even not even Scott Lawrence. He he couldn't do it because of his job. He would still be the director, but he did want to hire a coach. Uh, that didn't get done. Um, so in all actuality, we probably will have blown that opportunity uh moving forward so i'm not seeing any of these competitions people really really thinking anything through i mean you know they they're they don't know how to run the college competition pretty much i mean they they lost the national champions since you know at least the last decade i think um what's the name air force 103 um so they lost the national champions for the last decade. They they threw out the national four four out of the last eight national champions. Um, so essentially, I I don't know what the competition is about. 
Okay. Well, well. Let, let me let me try to see if we can find an an uh, a bit of an answer. What you know, one of one of the things on this club thing is that um, somebody somebody felt that we needed to formalize uh, the the season not just from the playoffs up to a championship, but moving back. Now, USA Rugby used to have a, a rule that you had to play a certain number of league games and players in the playoff. Uh, roster had to have played a certain number of games within that league, things like that. They've, they came back and they wanted to formalize it some more and say that you need a, we're looking at, we don't have super league anymore that we need to, to, to stand up and say, we've got a national league. And now the national league at this point includes 64 teams, which we know is laughable, but at the same time, we've got, uh, amateur rugby and people generally don't change cities to pick their rugby team because they're not paid for it. Um, some people actually still do that anyway, but generally people don't do that. So you've got a 64 roughly team competition that is supposed to be our elite level to give all these players the chance to play the very best uh, games uh, they can, not just friendlies, but league games and funnel into a coherent and neater uh, playoffs. I'm not sure if it it succeeds in that because the uh, the 64 is is silly. We shouldn't have 64. We should have, you know, we should have 20. Um, but if we put that together, and I look at that schedule that you map out, Bruce, um, this these these are the things that have to change or these are the these are the compromises we have to make for any of it to even come off number 1 teams in the the south texas and california uh, southern california and northern california are going to have to change when they start they're going to have to move their start of their schedule back probably playing two or three or four league games in november and december uh generally for the most part those teams really get started uh january february but they don't quite have enough time to do that they have a little bit pretty much enough time but they don't quite have enough time those are the regions though that probably can handle almost any schedule because they have nice weather in january and february most of the rest of the country midwest west north pacific northwest even uh, and the Northeast, they they can't really play from mid-November into February unless they have uh, a lot of control over an artificial turf surface. Um, so they they have to just as the just as the Midwest started the first weekend of September, and the Midwest Division Two, by the way, starts in August. They're still going to have to do that, and they get they they don't have any preseason. They don't have a sufficient preseason, but they're going to have to play through the fall, take a break, and play some more in March and April. That's what their schedule is going to have to be like. And to accomplish that, as you mapped out, Bruce, they're going to basically have to ignore the USA assemblies. If you lo- to to make this work, you're just going to have to go through your league and say, we lost two guys to the ARC team. We're still going to have to play. I personally, I well, okay, forget about personal. You look around the world, an awful lot of leagues are dealing with that anyway. 
the the French top fourteen still plays games during the Six Nations, and they play without some of their top players. And you, but because the the season is a longer season, it's not just five games. Losing one game, you can sort of you can try and get that back with a longer season. Difference between the Premiership and 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 these other things and the top fourteen, and there's a couple of differences. Number one is that the international team pays for a lot of these guys' club salaries. So the international team filters that money back. Knock that out. The other thing is, is that these these leagues, the Premiership is 12, the top 14 is 14, the Magners, so they play each other. They play each other twice. Those teams are all guaranteed, especially the Magners, are guaranteed so much Heineken Cup uh, um, love that they don't really care. And in the and in the Premiership in the top fourteen, but the thing is, they play each other. Is that when when you're stuck in a sixty-four team league, when you look at New Zealand and, and Australia and South Africa, they have five teams that are elite teams that play, and and they're the best teams in the world by a long shot, and they have five teams that play. We're trying to make sixty-four teams that play. If we had a Super League yeah. or whatever, and you want to say – you could do it in a couple ways. You can say, like, like it was. it's nice that Alan Sharpley is from Texas and the Texas gets an automatic bid and Dallas has been 0-6 in the last three Super Leagues and, and Austin, which is Alan's club, got smashed in the Sweet 16 by 50. So I get that he wants to have a, a nice guaranteed spot for his political cohorts, but gerrymandering USA Rugby for his own benefit is a joke. Um, so uh, let's just say that this will not be apolitical and certainly hasn't been in, in terms of, of my club. It is secretive and, and political is what happened to us. So let's just, uh, let's just say if in, in what we used to do in New York is we would have top four teams in New York play the top four teams in Boston. We had a league where it was seven games over the fall. And you could do that the weekend after Labor Day through uh, – through Halloween is about seven, about seven weekends. <clears throat> and you can play each other. It was actually, it was a lot of fun. You'd only have to go to Boston twice because they'd come down. You get seven games, um, three of them were in your local area, and then you went to Boston. That is a sensible way to do it. And then you could play into a spring competition between March and November. Now, obviously, we have three teams that were in the Super League that have been relatively successful, semifinalists and champions, recently and even a fourth team if you look at division one with the boston irish having won it twice um you know i would say that and and going to the final four the boston irish not not too long ago so i would say that you could you could legitimately say four seeds can come out of it and i'll say somebody doesn't want to go into an elite cup whatever the hell that is i mean you know there's going to be a sponsor apparently according to Melville. so um you know uh I haven't seen one yet since 2006 or seven when he got here, but I guess that, that this one's going to, this one's going to pan out. Um, so, you know, uh, we'll see the, so you look at that and you could do those things right. And you say, all right, you're going to give three or four out of here. You give one out of mid Atlantic, you give one out of the South, you give uh, one out of Texas, you give three out of the West, you give three or four out of the Midwest and maybe six along the Pacific coast. And then you, then you 
see who wants to join and you try to form something up in the spring to fit it. You know, I, like this year we're gonna we're gonna have an, a very abbreviated Super League, and we're gonna try to qualify against Canada. Um, you know, I I I think that that perhaps this year with these eight teams, if they had said, hey, why don't you guys play each other twice? They have the same city game with Denver and Glendale. So it makes it a little bit cheaper. And then on our side, play each other twice and then play a semifinal and a final and try to get some some high-quality rugby. And not, not that it's the best quality in the world, but it's what we have. And, and then maybe go in and try to qualify for the World Cup because in the event that, that Canada – defeats us in in this qualification we have to go through and spend millions of dollars uh, or at least hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, in the qualification process and then we can't be playing better teams moving forward because you know that 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 qualification that that uh you know everything seems it was four years away now it's three years away and now it's now come summer we're looking at uh Come summer of next year, we're looking at we have to qualify, and and is this the best way to qualify us? So, so by by doing what they're doing now, I think that they're going to cost themselves hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars later, because they haven't thought it out, because they never think anything out, because everything is done expediency, and it's sickening. It's sickening to the people in the south. And it's sickening to the people at the top. Need to take a break and uh, pay a bill or two, and we'll be right back on Rugged Matrix America. Hey, everybody, don't forget that the largest rugby tournament in the country is coming up sooner than you think, February 7th, 8th, 9th in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Invitational. It's wrapped around, of course, the USA 7s International Tournament, and it has everything you want in a rugby tournament. Thousands of players over 200 teams, uh, kids, adults, college, elite level, international level. Uh, you've got the CRC qualifier. You've got uh, women's, 15s and 7s. It's all everybody would ever want in a rugby tournament. And you get to see the USA 7s. And you get to be in Las Vegas. Go to USA7s.com, check on the LVI link, and see how to pre-register. Hey fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. Okay, we're back on Rugby Matrix America. We're talking about the new plan for uh, uh, club rugby and uh, a couple of the points that Bruce has brought up. Uh, the there's no time off uh, the the seven season and and Bruce makes a great point especially coming from a guy who's not really a sevens guy that the the summer sevens is a vibrant thing it it's figuring itself out already that there are elite sevens programs that care about sevens um, that's being taken away because we're squeezing that summer and we're also uh, mandating that every club has a sevens team. Well, that's never going to happen. It's never ever going to happen. Bruce, let me let me ask you a question. I realize it's a what if thing, but uh, you know, what if USA Rugby has simply said at the beginning of the year they hadn't changed anything else. All they had said was the Super League 
does not exist within the division system. If you are in a Super League team, you are a Division One team. And told all LAUs and TUs, you must accept a Super League team as a Division One team. What I really think that would have helped things a lot is if USA Rugby just left everyone alone and dealt with elite-level play, like the under-20s, the high school Americans, college All-Americans, because we're still not being honest with ourselves about a lot of things. So I think USA Rugby should do Now, if you want to fix Division One, we can fix it quite simply. All you have to do is say, okay, everybody, $10,000 in. It costs you $10,000. We're going to pay for a cost share. Sorry, we're going to pay for the teams who go to the playoffs to make sure that they don't have to pay money to go to the playoffs. And we're going to put this game, these games on TV. That's what we're going to use the money for. It's going to cost everybody ten grand. There'll be no cost share. There'll be no nothing. But that part you're going to put in. Everybody put it up. Hard money. Not a bomb. Not a hard money. Ten grand. And you know what would happen? The people who are serious about competing would compete. We'd have a 12-team league. Which is exactly yeah. what we should have. Yeah. Uh, our, That's all we're asking. Uh, I mean, this it may, may, everything that they're doing makes no sense. Just say, hey, 10 grand in, and then we're going we're gonna to pay for the playoffs, we'll pay for the travel in the playoffs, and we'll, and we'll, and we'll pay to put it on TV. Live. Pat, Pat, Pat Clifton, let me ask you a question. Um, because you've been talking to people about this. I've been talking to people about this. Um, what what do better teams do with this uh, with the way with this new format? Let's say we've got the new format. We're going ahead with it. I mean, what I'm seeing is that there are certain teams that say, "Well, we're we're going to uh, we're not even going to really pay that much attention to the league. We could probably put in our second team and win the league. But if we don't, we'll accept that our best team will do what." what Bruce mentioned about NIAC, our best team will look to play some teams in Canada. We'll go on tour. We'll match up with teams that used to be in the Super League. We'll play Life or we'll play Puget Sound or Golden Gate. We'll do stuff. We'll play Glendale. We'll work up a schedule that has that, – there's also the Elite Cup. Remember, they, they, so they'll, they'll concentrate on the Elite Cup and they'll concentrate on a series of friendly slash tours or types of games – that they're really excited about. And in a way, com- com- because they can play any players they want in D1, we'll ignore it. Is that, do, you, do you find that that's, that's pl- do you think that's plausible? I think, I think that's what should be plausible. I don't think that is the case because having talked to Nigel Melville, I, they want this to be, they want it to be is <clears throat> the elite cup that is, they want it to be the top eight teams from division one the previous year which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me for a couple of reasons. One being, you know, they talk about this cup and they compare it to the Heineken Cup or other cups that exist. Well, the reality is the Heineken Cup, the LV equals cup, all these cups that you talk about in Europe and and the different cups, they pair teams from different leagues together. But if you just make it that the top eight teams from Division One are going to play in the Elite Cup the next year, all you're doing is having two different Division One championships from everybody that's in the same competition, theoretically anyways. So you're not really pitting teams from different things together. What... So to me, that's a little bit confusing and a little misleading to compare it to the Heineken Cup, which takes teams from several different leagues and put them together. Um, but anyways, you know, 
I think what you're saying should be possible, but if they go to where you have to finish in the top eight division one, the prior, the year prior, um, to qualify for the, the elite cup, then they take that possibility away. Because my initial reaction was when I heard about the elite cup was great. This is great for teams like Nyack. This is great for a team like old Puget sound. If they want it to be for them to be able to play, I mean, essentially it's an abbreviated super league. So you're getting three games, um, in the regular season, you can go and play as tough a teams as you want the rest of the year. They could play a three-game series with San Francisco Golden Gate if they want. They can go up to Canada and play whoever they want. They could cross the country and play Nyack. They could play BYU. They could play Cal. They could play whoever they want. And then, and they still get a national championship. We still get to figure out who the best team in the country is through this Elite Cup. But if they make the Elite Cup exclusive to Division One teams in the future, which right now is the plan they're leading toward, um, then I think they really screw it up. Because I think if you know if I was running Nyack, I, I would be happy that I'm not in Division One right now, and um, we'd be happy to make our own schedule just like just like Bruce has said they've done, um, and play the Cal's and play the BYU's and still get to play in a, a championship event, which everybody in the country knows is the best. It's going to crown the best team in the in the country. Um, so yeah, I mean that's how I would feel if I was them. But and I could see teams doing that, right? But no one's going to bow out of the chance to play a championship. And I think that's part of this discussion. Um, that uh, The fact of the matter is the teams want to be called national champions. Um, and, and I think that, that that's that's still something that nobody's ready to give up quite quite yet. Does sound kind of political, though, doesn't it? You know, the, the, the pressure. And when we talk about political, usually what we end up meaning is that somebody has put in some kind of pressure to say, how come I or my group we, how come we don't get ours? And it usually ends up being something to do with uh, balancing seeds or dealing with something that you can brag about. So if if not only have we eliminated the Super League, okay, like we said, Super League did some things to help eliminate themselves as well. What we're now doing is saying um, everyone gets to be in the Super League. And that's not that's not quite the case. I'm, I am... Uh, it's good observation, Pat, because I, I'm disappointed in the idea that it would that that you you're almost forcing these teams to play the entire season now. Yeah, it's silly. I mean, it, it, I have no problem with. I, I really don't. I mean, there are some things that are going to have to be changed. There are going to be concessions made off of the, the literature that we've all seen. Which, to be fair to the competitions committee, right? We're looking at PDFs and and spreadsheets and you know Excel files that aren't. Haven't been officially released, so none of these are have been officially released as a restructure. All we've been officially told is that there will be a restructure, and then we've been officially been told that there will be an elite cup. So what we're looking at, the information we're looking at, is stuff they're using and batting around and dis- disseminating to get feedback on. So it's not the official restructure because that hasn't been announced yet, right? So which is good. Get and, feedback. And, and wait, but can I? Is it? A lot of this stuff was done in secret. That's it, another. It's another problem with it. Is yeah, get feedback. You know, tell us at the at the you know the last week of July that that's yeah, well, our that's, that's our that's not a competitions committee issue. That's but, uh, a, it is a it is people a in your area issue. No, it is a competitions committee issue. It is a competitions it, the competitions committee should be very open as to what they're doing. It affects every. Well, everybody so comp- knew about it. Comp- I, I must, and I don't know why I didn't know because I talked to a lot yeah, of we had people, you and I had we, conversations about me it. me and you had a conversation about it then. 
right then. Not about, not, not back then. We talked about right then when I was like, this is crazy. Now, look, at the end of the day, as I said, if you tell everybody put 10 grand in, then you only get the serious people who then then you find out who's serious. 10 grand isn't a lot of money in the in, in rugby travel world. Division 1 costs more than than Super League anyway. That's the the great myth that nobody nobody seems to understand. And then when when you when when you look at it just say 10 grand, put it up front. Then you find out how serious teams are. Then you find out if they really think they can win. Cuz 10 grand when you have 40 guys it's really just 250 bucks a guy. Nothing. Then you know, I'm not saying it's not. It, 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 it's nothing. It's 250 bucks a guy. Let me. Can, can I finish my thought? And go yeah, back sure. A, a step here. The, 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 what I was saying was this whole restructure, um, which we don't know if it's the actual restructure because right now we're, it's not been released. It, it, to me, it's not. All it does is rename some sh- crap, right? And it reshuffles a little bit of crap. For the majority of the country, and it doesn't change all that much for the majority of the country, um, except for it, it pushes some games on teams that probably can be too much in different areas and that sort of thing. But it, it just reworks your schedule, but doesn't drastically change all that much, in my opinion. But where it will go wrong, and where it will fail, and where it will actually get me upset because I'm not upset at it really, but where it will get me upset is if this elite cup competition becomes exclusively for Division One teams. That's the big error it can make. It needs to not make that. That would be my my advice to give to the, the competitions committee and to Nigel Melville and to this management council or whatever the heck they're calling it. I don't recall off the top of my head, but they need to, they need to hopefully they'll heed that advice, but they need to not force that because you're talking about what a six game competition. And in order to be in this six game competition, you have to play another 17. That's just not a fair thing to do, and it's a it's a it's a silly thing to do. Well, what what you and Alex said made sense, and I and I and I agree. With, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I don't remember who it was. It's like the Florida Marlins thing. Every once in a while, the Florida Marlins will go out and spend a lot of money and win a World Series. And if you ha- if you have a team where every once in a while that you can get your act together and you want to have a go then enter in. I think that that's cool. That's a cool thing to do. And I do think it should be a longer competition. Like I do think it should be like it was seven to 10 weeks. And I think that those teams should opt out of D one and just have that. If there's going to be a cup for what they call the Heineken cup or whatever, they want to do it. And then it's going to be that elite competition. Have that be the cup in the spring between March 17th and, and, and Memorial day, or, you know, the St. Patty's day weekend and Memorial day weekend. And just have that happen during that period of time. And then there's different ways to get in. You can opt in. You can say, hey, look, I got X amount of dollars. I'm we're gonna we have a good team. We're gonna opt in. Okay, great. Knock yourselves out. And you know, could be one of the things that we have an advantage on is that is that in, in the NCAA world, the club and the uh and and the school can't mix. But because we're outside of maybe NCAA. We can kind of mix like wrestling. Is is it better to be in club or is it better to be in a school? Is it better? You know, the same thing in soccer, same thing in hockey, you know, more so in high school with hockey. But is is it better to do it that way? Lacrosse is actually becoming more, especially in high school. Is it better to be in a club lacrosse than it is to be in a, in a school lacrosse? So 
and that and that's getting all mixed up. Now, what we're able to do in rugby is we can combine the school and the club because we don't. The only restrictions that we have are self-imposed. So if there wasn't an elite cup, you could even have a college side of it of six or seven or eight teams and then have a men's side of it of six or seven or eight teams. And then they jerk around and play whatever structure they play. And then they play each other and have a national champion. But you still have a collegiate national champion and you still have a men's national champion. Or you could even play it regional. There's a whole lot of ways to skin a cat, and they've all been relatively successful. But I'm I'm just saying that there's no need that like out. There's nothing wrong with thinking think thinking outside the box and trying to say. I spoke to when when Dave Smith and I were talking about trying to sort out our game. When his thing was, we went over as college all Americans with older players and lost to younger players, who were by all re- accounts, not even remotely close to their top guys of younger players. And then, so, said that obviously we're not good enough. Obviously, we've lost to Canada, so we're not good enough. Obviously, something is going wrong where we're, we could be improving, but we're still not good enough. What can we do to be good enough? And I think that having an all-inclusive thing isn't necessarily the case, isn't the best way to do it. I think that having a more exclusive thing, but trying to do everything you can to make that bigger and better. Like if you want to have 64 teams, that's an an unbelievable goal. But let's start and say, maybe there's 12 or 14 or 16, maybe there's 10. Play those guys. Then maybe there's 12. Then maybe there's 20. Then maybe we get in in 12 colleges. Now there's 32. And then you could figure out a way to make it work. And then you could figure out a way. Like you could grandfather the AC in as, as a four-time champion. And you can grandfather Golden Gate in as a two-time champion. And then you can say, hey, guys, you know, if we go 0-3 and, and – in this in this season, say hey, uh, you know, maybe you grandfather them in next year and say hey, one more time of this, you're out. You know, you got to play your way back in again. Now. And 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 also by by allowing these teams to to you could let them play in D1 even if they don't count. Like even if you went from a D1 in the fall or a D1 in January to, to March in the West Coast, and you had these guys. And you had them play into the into these leagues, then these teams would get the opportunity to play a lesser version of them, of an old blue or a lesser version of a Boston. Maybe win, maybe lose. But once Boston leaves and goes into the Elite Cup, then they can just play for their own championship as it would. That's a sensible way to go about this. I I just don't see that this whole mandating from on high communist, you know central planning approach works it doesn't work doesn't work in any segment of society and i don't know why the hell they think it's going to work in 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 the most in 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 really the most uh i don't want to say freedom loving segment but definitely the the most anarchist segment like not not that they're anarchists in terms of uh of of their politics but that possibly 
the way they like to do things. They don't like to be told what to do. I mean, you know, you, obviously you can tell that I'm not one. I don't like to be told what to do. But in these, most teams don't. And I don't blame these teams for not voting us in. Like, and yeah, and, well, and that's uh, it's, why it's, that's, it's, I feel that way. So I don't blame these guys. I, th- I think it shows personal growth. You know, one of the things that uh, national team coaches say to me is that, um, and, and they won't name names because they're trying to be nice, but they say that they picked a team and they'll say, you know, you realize that you look at the team that we have for the Eagles, it is not a team of 15 international rugby players. And they say, I'm not talking about, say, the last team that played. I mean, this is over time, over history. So it's not a team of 15 international rugby players. It is the 15 best available players. And just because you're the best available player does not make you international caliber. You can't rest on your laurels. Just because you played in a league where the champion say, won the national championship, doesn't mean that the fact that you were second or third means that you're close. Uh, you're probably pretty far away. And I've played in leagues where that I've, – I've, I've, I've coached in a league where I walked up to one coach one time and said, your team is really good and the rest of us suck. And somebody overheard and was a bit taken aback by that and said, what do you mean? You know, we're really we're, – we're competitive. We're second or we're third. He goes, no, we suck. They're the only team that's any good. You have to look at rugby in America. As, why are you playing it? What are you looking to accomplish? If you want to win a national, if you want to be awarded a national championship, then you shouldn't be playing. If you want to work toward a national championship, go ahead and play. That's wonderful. If you want to play for fun, wonderful. If you want to play and try, wonderful. But whenever I see people who are trying to work things around or just wish that they could be in a position to be given some kind of accolade, then, then we've got a problem. And, and, and this plan, the plan for elite level rugby, an elite cup, the top division, things like that should not be all inclusive, should allow player movement should encourage player movement possibly. Maybe the national team coaches should be getting involved like they do in the sevens where Alex Magleby is strongly suggesting that certain promising players might want to move to Southern California. Uh, we, we have to separate out the lower divisions, even the really good lower divisions like Division Two. Guys are pl- working really, really hard. You separate that out because it's amateur, good recreational rugby and separate that from elite level because the argument that division two teams some of them are just as good as division one teams is true because we're being far too all-inclusive on the quote-unquote elite level well what what i i understand what you're saying and but i also think that one of the one of the other problems is that the elite level here isn't always let's call it the best level i don't think that there's elite rugby here anyway so the elite level here isn't always elite like my team is at its best from you know in april and may but other than that we're not really any different than anyone else Honestly, I mean, we really aren't. We, we, we don't do – we don't have any different players and we don't do anything differently. During, you know, from 
in April and May when we when we got a little bit of a rhythm, then we are different. And then maybe from January to January to March, you know, mid January to mid March, we might prepare a little bit differently. And 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 maybe during this time of year, our, our guys instead of you know playing twenty games and traveling all over the place, we may have a few more practices and work out a bit and try to have more of a practice to game ratio than most teams. But we're not a whole lot different than anyone else. You did well. You know, some would say you've made a phone, couple of phone calls to Australia. I think that would be the main difference. And 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 you know, and 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 that is and that is uh, and that definitely is is something that 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 helps things work. But you know, also, you know, made a phone call to Connor Coyne and Brian Doyle and Louis Stanfill and and you know and 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 Dan Power and 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 guys who Mike Petrie and also sent Mike Petrie to Belmont Shore because we thought that that was going to be best for his development. The phone calls that we made to Australia, like Chris Chapman and Toby Lestrange are American. They were born in America. And and then there's this other guy, Tom Kulikin, who's a hooker who was born in America. And Tim Barford is playing for us now too. Much, much food for thought. And, uh, and I think that the, the final point from Pat Clifton was the best, which is that we've seen a lot of quasi-details but we haven't seen some real details, and I think possibly, I hope, details are being held back so that there is feedback. Give feedback to uh, USA Rugby. Uh, go talk to the people on the committee. Uh, check with RugbyMag.com. Continue to talk about it because we can influence change. I think the the, the readers of, you, of, of RugbyMag.com have influenced change uh, before, and we can do something again. Um, but... It, there aren't a lot of details there, and there's a year to go. Some of these things are going to shake out, and I think we're going to, like with the collegiate premiere, we're going to see changes that we never really foresaw, um, but in retrospect are probably to be uh, something we should have seen coming. It, 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 uh, if I can add to that, and if this is anything like the college restructure, we'll see a whole lot of these numbers that are requirements change and could, uh, uncountable amount of concessions made in order to make it work. Absolutely. I think we definitely will. Uh, So thanks a lot, Bruce. And thanks a lot, Pat. And thanks to you, the listener. You've been listening to Rugger Matrix America. Rugger Matrix America.